a lot of times in this, you know, final weeks before you give birth, you're sitting around kicking the dirt, like, when's this going to happen? <laughs> and that's really a great time to look at what are the postpartum resources out there? Who can I reach out to as my support network, even if it's having women like, hey, could you just check in with me in the first few weeks and just make sure I'm okay? Is this, you know, if you want to get set up with a counselor, if you are struggling with anxiety or depression, please don't wait till you are in the fog of postpartum. Please set it up when you're pregnant. Even if you, even if you aren't struggling with anxiety and depression, even if you just want extra support, it's a great time. Don't wait. Welcome back to Health Matters. This week, we have a special bonus episode for you, part two, where we continue our conversation about pregnancy during COVID. In our first segment, new moms Lawrence Garborough and Jenny Miller-James opened up about the challenges they faced during their pregnancies. They talked about the isolation they felt, their birth experiences, and difficulties starting breastfeeding. To help us learn along the way, we also had one of Inlo's experts in the studio, midwife Amber Critchfield. We're going to pick it up now with what it was like leaving the hospital. We're talking about going home with a new member of the family and throwing a newborn into an already hectic COVID-19 lifestyle. Well, I was going to say just comparing this experience to my first one. My first experience, I was I was actually, I had an emergency C-section and I had a doula. And one of the best things I did with my first pregnancy is I had, I had paid for a postpartum package. Having someone come into my home and teach me how to sleep with your baby safely. Yeah. And I know that not everyone can do that, but that was something that worked for my family and something we chose to do with our pediatrician support. (laughs) Back to my statement earlier, we do what we get the information and we do what we can and we do what makes us survive at home and makes a happy home. Having a postpartum doula for my first pregnancy, like helped me settle into motherhood a little bit less stressfully. You know, I was able to learn some things about what I could do to, to survive because really when you're in the nuclear family situation we are and you have a new baby, like the first few months are basically survival. (laughs) Like you're just trying to take a shower every once in a while and remember to brush your teeth and eat meals. And you're, you know, basically just keeping the baby alive and keeping yourselves alive. So that was an amazing experience and having the kind of opposite experience of like having a baby during COVID, which honestly, if COVID hadn't been the situation, I probably would have paid for a postpartum doula again, because it's just so invaluable Now I wasn't learning how to be a mom. I was learning how to be a mom of a four-year-old and a newborn. So having that kind of in-home support is just, I don't know, not being able to have that during COVID, whether it's a doula or your mother or your best friend or, you know, your sister, whoever, whoever your tribe is to support you in your house while you're learning to care for a small person is just, it's hard. (laughs) I think I said this at the beginning, but I'll say it again. We used we used to live in tribes and we had other generations of women and even complementary generations where there were always babies around and always people having babies. And now it's, you know, your mom had you however many years ago and then you're having a baby. So your 
mom isn't necessarily remember how to care for <laughs> for a baby, and especially because the by the time I become a grandparent, I I'm sure all the inf- information is going to be different too. Of you know, my mom would always be like, "Well, I used to put you on your stomach." I put a ton of blankets in there with you and you're alive, you know? <laughs> so the the way we do families now makes it really hard. And adding COVID to that just as like Jenny had said earlier, like I've found a lot of help in like Facebook groups. I know sometimes sometimes they can be a little toxic, but if you're if you filter out <laughs> some of the gotta pick the right one. Yeah, yeah. some of the stuff. It can be really helpful. But yeah, it's trying to trying to kind of find the the resources that you need to help you get to that place, even though you can't be around people is is really hard. It's really good about the Facebook groups, too, because it's so hard to get out of your house with a newborn. And you and no matter where you go, you usually have your phone with you, or at least that's kind of how it is these days. And it's it was so nice to be able to connect with other moms that are a few clicks of some keys on the phone. But I, I also had the added privilege of I met somebody at the hospital who had a baby on the same day that my son was born. And we kept we kept in touch on our phones and, uh, and we still do. And our kids are, you know, seven and a half months. And those little connections like that tend to be like a life preserver I found so finding little ways like that to connect and honestly after learning lessons because it's amazing how much you learn in those first few months of being a parent it was so nice to be able to like offer words of support to other women who are having a tough time it made me feel like I was able to contribute something to other moms as well, which added a lot to like my happiness and lifted my mood a lot during those months as well. Amber, what other resources um, are available for moms who are at home right now that Inlo can help provide for them? There's So there are a few. There's actually this, what Jenny and Lauren are speaking about actually brought up a great segue as far as a new option that we're offering pregnant women that will spill over into postpartum is we, we've started just this fall offering group prenatal care, which may sound strange to be starting something called group prenatal care during COVID, but we've actually been doing either by Zoom or meeting in person while socially distanced, just depending on what's going on in the county with COVID at that time. So we've kind of done a mix of both. And as Jenny spoke to of just, you know, meeting someone at the hospital and then you get each other's number and you're texting each other and it just, it starts to build this, this support. And so we pick, we have women who are due around the same gestation who can sign up to be in a group and it wouldn't be any more than, you know, eight to 10 women at most. It's actually quite a bit smaller with COVID, usually about five, I think is the max that we've had. And we meet on the same schedule that you would meet with your doctor or midwife, you would just meet in the group and you'd meet for a two hour visit. And it's something that is done worldwide. They actually have quite a bit of research that's come out about it. Tremendous mental health benefits, as you can imagine, just having the support of other women that are going through similar, just having shared experiences. And they've actually shown a lot of just medical benefit too to babies. They've had increased birth weight, increased rates of breastfeeding, reduced risk of preterm pregnancies, reduced risk of gestational diabetes. They found that it nearly eliminates any sort of racial disparities in preterm birth, which 
as we know, a lot of, you know, black and uh, Latina women have a much higher rate of, of preterm birth. They found that that actually has been eliminated with group prenatal care, which you would say, how is that even possibly connected? But just having support, we can't state that enough, how much feeling supported during pregnancy and postpartum, how much that can make a difference. And when moms are feeling good and moms are feeling supported, they're going to take better care of their babies and the whole family will thrive because of it. So what we are hoping, we just are piloting, we've had, we have our third group starting uh, this month and you meet just as you would, uh, you know, once a month until it gets closer to your due date and then every two weeks and then every week. You do do some in-person visits in the office as well, privately with your provider. And then postpartum, women are definitely encouraged and we, and I imagine we will have, you know, formal groups that do continue to meet so that you do continue to have that support. And this is something we're, we're very excited about. And then we also do have a pregnancy and postpartum support group that meets, has been meeting by Zoom and they are hoping to meet again. They're planning uh, to meet in person starting in April and it meets every Friday from 1 to 2 p.m. And if anyone is interested, it's at Women's Services South. You can always call and low and get the information for the Zoom link. But those are just a few of the things that, that we're offering I know. And I love the the prenatal program to your point, Amber, is because one of the things that we had talked about offline, Lauren and Jenny and I, was once you're in postpartum, once you're home, once you're back at home and you're in the, how Lauren put it, like you're kind of surviving because you're just so in the here and now. And even in the here and now, you're also in this time warp where you're not sure what the day is going back to. That's why you don't shower sometimes or brush your teeth because you kind of can't remember what's happening. And it's natural, everyone. It's okay. Normal thing. You will brush your teeth again. Yeah, I promise one day you will brush your teeth again. It does come back. But there's this, it's hard to take care of yourself. We take care of the baby, which is number one. And then in that, we're also taking care of our, our, we're helping our our partners, supportive or not. We're also kind of helping them because they're also becoming a parent. And it is really hard for women to take care of themselves. And we had actually talked about some of the postpartum support classes. And one of the things we talked about was like, gosh, it's, it, it also feels scary if you don't know these moms already and then you're going to join this class. It feels like a lot of work to look it up and then find the number and then find the class and then get yourself there to have the courage or the energy and even the vulnerability. Because for those of us who are kind of out of the fog, right, I'm out of the fog. I'm not there anymore and I, I've been around enough moms to be like, oh my gosh, you jump into that support group. I can tell you right now, all those moms are going to be right there with you and be like, I'm right there. You're going to be like, does anyone else feel this way? And they're all just going to raise their hand. I do. I do feel that way. Thank you for talking about it. But when you're in the fog, it is really hard to take those steps. And it is really challenging to just take all the, the steps I described and like join the group. One of the best pieces of, of advice I got when I had my first son, and I think I heard it at a Lala Chaley meeting was you can't pour from an empty cup. Yeah. So yeah, you have to take care of yourself in order to take care of someone else. I absolutely agree. But sometimes I don't think we know how to do that. Yeah. And I think that's the real, the real gap there is we know that, but then accessing it can be really challenging. Women who are hearing this, like if you're oh, I really want to go to a support group or you think, oh, I might do that. It can be really hard to do it if you haven't already like figured it out, taken the steps to see what that looks like. Yeah, I was going to say that I think that you're spot on. I, I think it's so true that you are so overwhelmed with this new being and responsibility. 
And it is. It is overwhelming. I can't imagine it. it's not for anybody. You know, you have this new child, this new being that is completely dependent on you for absolutely everything. I think I was a little shocked, actually. I was like, wow, you can't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, recently, I, I recently watched like a birth of a, a baby goat and it just it came out and then it was walking right after it was born. And I just remember thinking like, wow, <laughs> humans are exactly the opposite of that. I remember being excited so when my fragile. kid. fragile. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we are so fragile. <laughs> I remember being excited when I was like, he's trying to reach for it. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> like that level of physical ability. <laughs> We're almost there. He's lifting his head. <laughs> he didn't touch it. Yeah. But he's, he swung that arm. <laughs> oh, so, but I was thinking, but going back to the resources that are out there and how do we access them? I think one is with COVID, some people might not know that they're still available. I think what happened with COVID, and I know I'm just as guilty as this, is I just felt like lockdown happened, shut down. So I just assumed everything turned off. And I find that I'm still, oh, that, that didn't stop. We're, we're still doing that. Like, oh, that, that's great. Like, I think that there's also this idea that like everything just stopped. For our, our mamas who are listening, I want, you know, I, I want them to know that there are resources out there that are still continuing and they're even more essential because of all the things we discussed, which is we don't have our same support. We don't have access to things in the way that we're used to. And so we have the, what's natural to us. We now have to really think about it. And I think Lauren, you brought this up, you know, if this was our normal time, I would just show up at her house. Well, yours too, Jenny, I warned you. I was like, if we were not in COVID, give me a key. I'm walking in and I'm taking care of your baby and you essentially. But, you know, cause I get how great it is to have someone in there who just loves to mom and loves on your baby and then says, go take a shower. I promise it'll be fine. I'll be right here. You're going to be okay. We don't even have that available to us. What do we have available? What is available that's safe and responsible and helpful? And I think the classes that Inlo is offering that prenatal one, I think is essential because then you get to meet a mom when the baby's in your belly and there's a little bit more you're a little bit more present, but I think once you're out, it's so hard to just try something new. And this is where I feel like your, your partners can be really a big resource for us. Like if our partners or your, your husband or your support person, if they recognize that this might be something that's lacking in your, in the mom's life right now, go on Enlo's website. It's enlo.org slash baby hyphen classes. And there is a, all the things that Amber just talked about. You can see all of those resources, the classes, the support groups, there's videos, all of those things are there. And if you find the time and the date of those classes, try to find a way to help that mom get there. If you think that would be helpful for her. It will be. Yes. <laughs> and then you just do it. The other thing that I remember, and you guys can chime in on this is this, it's always hard because people don't ever want to overstep their boundaries with mom. So that you always ask lots of questions. Is it okay if I do this? And then you find yourself being like, I don't know. It's really hard to make decisions, especially when you're sleep deprived. And I remember one of the helpful things was this. I'd like you to take this class. It's at one o'clock. If I take the baby or if I sit here and or you know what I mean? Like this would be your spouse talking or will you go to this? And it, that, I think that's a much easier. Yes. Because then they've answered all the questions you're asking yourself in that first question, which is, how do you feel about this? And you're like, I have no idea. I have like 30 things running through my mind right now before I can answer that question. Who's going to take care of the baby? Do we have enough food? Are you going to take them? Are you taking time off work? How are we going to get there? Do I have to drive there? Is it on Zoom? <laughs> like you have. So I think that that could be really helpful for anyone who's listening or wants to have their partner listen. 
that that's one way that you can really support a mom postpartum is find the resource, find the class, and then set up an opportunity for them to access it. I know that that would be. And I think most classes would probably be baby friendly, I would assume, you know, for postpartum. Yes, absolutely. You're right. So you can bring your baby along with you, but maybe sometimes. Sometimes, you know, when you have a new baby, it's hard to not take them with you. (laughs) Absolutely. You're right. Absolutely. The postpartum classes, you can absolutely bring your baby. Yeah. yeah, Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Something that just popped in my head too is I think perhaps where COVID is creating an additional challenge for mom, and this is mostly a note for people to support moms, the people who are trying to to support people who are new mothers, is that it's already hard for moms to ask for help, mm-hmm. and it's it's already hard. And then often, additionally, just recognizing that they have these needs because they're caring for a new life. There's also a lot of problem solving that goes along with how to meet those needs because we can't just go about it the way we did prior to COVID. We know we need help, but there's these additional impediments like people can't come to our house because of various reasons. Services, particular services aren't offered or they're offered in a different way. I guess I would just tell other moms, like get really good at saying, I need this. I don't know how to meet this need. I don't know who to ask, but just be vocal about it because there are people out there and there are services out there. And I think the best way to let people help you is to just let them know you have a need or you have a problem that you just can't solve. Because that's already work just getting to the point of realizing you need something. A lot of what I really encourage women to is to set things up for yourself postpartum while you're pregnant. Cause as you had spoken to, I think Susie had said, it's a lot of times too in this, you know, final weeks before you give birth, you're sitting around kicking the dirt, like when's this going to happen? <laughs> and that's really a great time to look at what are the postpartum resources out there? Who can I reach out to as my support network? Even if it's, you know, having women like, Hey, could you just check in with me in the first few weeks and just make sure I'm okay? Is this, you know, if you want to get set up with a counselor, if you are struggling with anxiety or depression, please don't wait till you are in the fog of postpartum. Please set it up when you're pregnant. Even if you, even if you aren't struggling with anxiety and depression, even if you just want extra support, it's a great time. Don't wait. You know, a lot of times, like you said, you're sleep deprived, you're working on breastfeeding, you're working on just feeding yourself, you're, you know, taking a shower can be a big challenge. So it's just setting yourself up for success and then really making that time for, as Lauren said, filling up your cup, communicating with your partner of even just 10, 15 minutes a day, which may not sound like much, but it's like, hey, honey, when you get home from work, I'm just going to hand you the baby and I'm going to go in the shower and I'm going to just lock myself in the bathroom and I'm going to just breathe. <laughs> and I need you to just support me in that. And, you know, or in the morning, you know, that you just do some stretches, that you have some time and that you just always are thinking about filling up your cup, even if it's just a little bit each day, but just always knowing that putting yourself first even just for 10, 15 minutes a day can make a huge difference. It's the little things, whether it's just taking a walk. And even with COVID, there still are quite a few things that we can do. You know, going out on walks in nature is huge, right? Just breathing the fresh air. I'd love to talk on postpartum just a little bit if we can. And then with my first baby, I'm pretty confident I had postpartum depression. I didn't know how to recognize it. And my whole experience of becoming a parent was I knew the information, but I could not connect it. And I think for me, I never thought I could be someone who could be post like depressed because I have a very natural cheery disposition. And I I kind of thought I was exempt 
from it in some form. So even when they would talk about it, I tuned it out. Oh, that's not for me. I'm so happy all the time. It's kind of sickening. And I feel like there's so much, and it is, I'm kind of sickly positive. But after having Charlie and I got home, it was so different. I felt really, I felt a lot of rage and I felt really frustrated and really sad. Again, far away, a little bit far away. And and it wasn't until, again, I kind of grew out of it. And then I have a very supportive husband. And then, and then after again, reflecting and as I learned more about and actually started paying attention to what is postpartum depression, I would, I like raised my hands like, oh, that was me. I, I had all of that and I had no idea that one, I would be susceptible and two, that that's really how it manifested itself. And, and so when I had Rosalie, my second, I didn't have any of it. And it was, and it was just really interesting. Like, wow, I, I totally can feel the difference in parenting. And so I don't know if you want to share about your experiences. And again, maybe you're not, that's not something that you're, you're suffering from. But for me, it was, it was kind of scary. I think postpartum pretty much universally is just like a really emotional time. Yeah. I know it was for me. It was super emotional. And and for me, I mean, I have, I have depression and I have panic disorder and anxiety. I was, I was set up to have postpartum depression and I don't think I, I don't think I had it, but I, I did experience a lot of feelings and like I did cry. I did get just, I, you know, really, I mean, I was always really tired. I got angry, definitely got hot flashes, had weird dreams when I did get sleep. So it was a, it was a very strange time. And it's, it's a time where it's hard to focus on you, but you really do have to like take care of the emotional animal in you. <laughs> and I think regardless, it's a time to be prepared for that. So Amber, can you speak a little bit about the postpartum depression services that Inlo does? I know that they screen us. I remember that. I remember being screened multiple times. And that goes back to like kind of tuned it out though. Like I got screened and I was like, meh, that won't happen to me. Yeah. So we do do something called Edinburgh uh, depression scale. That is something that's to alert us if you, if you have a score that's over a certain number that they automatically will have, you know, have a social worker come and see you and get you plugged in with, with resources. And what I will say, you know, postpartum depression and anxiety, I always like to say, you know, anxiety as well, because most people just think of it as depression, but it, it can, you know, really it's perinatal mood disorder, imbalance, whatever, just something going on where you're just not feeling quite like yourself. And it's about one in seven women that it affects. And what they have found, there was reading an article, um, that came out in December, where during COVID, they have found that it's about one in three women during either during pregnancy or after, which is probably not any big surprise, but that's quite a large number of women that are usually suffering in silence. And a lot of what I find is that women don't know that they were depressed, as you kind of shared, Susie. And when you look back in hindsight, you're like, whoa, that's totally what I had. That's totally what was going on. I just thought that was being a new mother. So it's really important, you know, that we that we do educate women about what to look for and partners on what to look for. Your partner knows you best and other than other, just having them really tuned in to, hey, are you, you know, are you really feeling okay? Do you seem, do you feel like you're, you know, getting the support you need? Do you, you know, and as far as anxiety, it can show up as waking up several times a night, checking on the crib, having flashes of things happening to you or your baby. And it's something that's kind of a repetitive, lasting more than a couple of weeks, usually a daily experience or depression, usually feeling of overwhelm where life is on top of you. 
small tasks feel like a big deal day after day, not getting any easier. And the resources, you know, I'd say that the postpartum support group is wonderful. We also do have a, there's Mother Strong is a Butte County. They deal with anything perinatal mood disorder. They really specialize in that. So they have a list of all the local support groups in the county. They have a list of therapists. They also, you can dial 211 at any time and have a warm line person who's there to support you and plug you and help you get pointed in the right direction as far as resources. We screen postpartum after the baby too, right? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. At every, at, visit. At every You might get sick yeah. of it, but at every visit yeah. we do. <laughs> but I think like you said, it's hard to distinguish when you're going through it because I think that the baby blues that they call it is something that happens to most women when they have a baby because I don't know if you've ever looked at what your hormones are doing when you're pregnant and then right after you have a baby it like drops off like a cliff so your your body is just going through hormone withdrawals and I just remember like after Emmett was born I just cried all the time everything I was just crying all the time and then I eventually got out of that and I think that that's why it's really important to talk to your healthcare provider about how you're feeling because you might not know in the moment if it's the baby blues or if you actually are depressed and postpartum depression, it's an illness. It's a medical, you be talking to your, your providers, but it is hard to tell which one of those things you're going through when you're sleep deprived and caring for a new baby. So I think that outside resources are super important. And I know that my husband is very supportive, but he was, I don't know what's going on and I don't know how to help you. And, you know, just, just tell me what to do. And I was kind of just like, I don't, I don't know how you can help me get through this. Mental health is very, very important after you have a baby. <laughs> and I was surprised to learn that there are a whole host of conditions that of mental health conditions you can have postpartum besides just postpartum anxiety and depression. So there's a whole lot of things that, you know, if you're experiencing probably to, to reach out for. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, really in the first year, you still are having so many hormonal changes that can happen. And, you know, interestingly enough, I mean, it's a lot of times even things like thyroid or, you know, I've even had people with autoimmune stuff pop up. It's just your body is still going through, not to say that that's necessarily very common. I would say it's more, you know, postpartum anxiety and depression, but just to really be on alert with your health when you are sleep deprived and you are just so consumed with taking care of a newborn that you are still finding the time to take care of yourself, have someone really check in with you and make sure that, you know, you are getting what you need. I'm just going to ask you guys one more question. My first question is, I would love for you to share with the mamas out there and all those new moms with their new babies. What has been the most successful way of surviving during COVID for you? You can leave them with just one tip. It was, it was so much nicer. You know, when you're feeling like your house is small or just lonely when you're you know just it's just you and your baby at home and you don't really feel like you can go anywhere there are some outdoor spaces where you can be you know safe and get a little sunshine get some of that vitamin d and you know just some fresh air that ends up, I think, being really fun. And when your baby gets a little older, like mine is now, seven and a half months, I, you know, I'll put a little blanket outside and we'll sit outside, you know, under a tree. And he gets to hear nature sounds and I get to watch him kind of look. And it's just nice. 
you know, it's a, it, and you, I early on too, I was going for walks with other moms and we'd be distanced or we'd be masked. So finding opportunities to do that with other moms is really nice. You can talk about what it's like and what you're going through too. I definitely would agree on getting outside is, is key. I think that when you're first home with a newborn, you can sometimes feel like you're a part of the couch or the bed, you know, cause you're just nursing all the time. And I felt like I was a piece of furniture. So getting, getting to go outside was definitely helpful for everyone involved. But I think, I don't know if this is the best advice, but for me, just having a small routine, like I think Amber kind of touched on it and like taking a few minutes a day, recharge even the tiniest bit I don't think it's super important for everybody. So you kind of have to find your own thing. But for me, getting up and brushing my teeth first thing in the morning and then putting, I mean, I wasn't putting on workwear or anything. I was putting on like leggings and a t-shirt. Changing out of whatever I wore to bed really helped me feel more human. And it's a really small thing, but that really contributed to me feeling like I wasn't trapped in the postpartum period as much. I felt like I would get up and brush my teeth and change my clothes. And that just, I don't know, that was really helpful for me. (laughs) This may sound silly too, but very, very early on when my baby was just a week or two old and I was spending, you know, literally hours on the couch, I actually had a four hour stint where I didn't move and he was at the boob. (laughs) (laughs) either sleeping or eating (laughs) he would not let me go so I found a show and I actually like binge watched all the seasons of Gilmore Girls and I don't think I'm I feel like I have a whole connection out of that show (laughs) (laughs) so that was kind of nice it mentally let me go somewhere too I was still very present for my kid but I got to have when he was sleeping and I was holding him and I just couldn't get away that was nice it was like a little mental vacation It (laughs) it made me laugh (laughs) That's great. Amber, anything you wanted to touch on? Yeah. Jenny and Lauren have said a lot of things that I really encourage, but I think definitely a change of scenery every day, making sure you are getting out if you can for even just, you know, 10, 15 minute walk or just go and stand in the yard and, you know, just like (laughs) feel the sun on your body. A lot of times with the amount of time it takes, you know, with breastfeeding and taking care of a newborn, you are just kind of seeing the same four walls over and over. And that that really can, over time, just make it feel like a Groundhog's Day experience. And it's it's amazing what just fresh air and sunshine and just a change of scenery can do for your mental health. And so I think just setting up goals for yourself of like, I'm going to get out of the house today and having maybe a support person that can keep you kind of like, okay, we're going to help you make sure that that happens or whatever that looks like, whether it's checking in by text and like, hey, did you get that walk, you know, and just but really prioritizing that as a way of filling up your cup. And if you have a person that is also, you know, raising a newborn, just having them be a support person, whether you're checking in once a week or, you know, every couple of days or even daily of just like, hey, how's it going? And just having a way of supporting each other through, you know, through your experience of new motherhood, even if it can't be in person, but just finding ways to get creative with it doing walks are great. If you can do it where you're socially distanced, that's awesome. You know, strollers, you know, we're made for, you know, it's, it's actually really nice to just go on stroller walks with other new moms. And if you can't get out of the house and you're on the couch breastfeeding for four hours, you know, finding maybe a podcast that is, you know, you connect to or a show or music or something that 
you can connect with that is, you know, uplifting and helps you not feel like you're, you know, alone, something that can just really just bring some, some sort of fulfillment. Like Jenny said, like that just kind of takes you, oh, takes you away, right? It takes you right. away to another place where you can feel like you're achieving something. Right. And maybe a little bit distracted from being a piece of furniture. I, I think, <laughs> I think since my second son was born, I've read like 14 novels because I go to bed at seven o'clock every night because he's like Cinderella. Like at seven o'clock, he turns into a pumpkin. I could set a clock to when he's mad and needs to go to bed. And since we co-sleep, I go to bed at seven. So reading was definitely one of my things that I did. I've just been powering through a lot of books. <laughs> Absolutely. And there are a lot of, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of like stretching and yoga. And those are things that there's a tremendous amount of online apps and things you can do, meditation apps, you know, things that are just, just really remembering the mind-body connection too, right? It's like when we move our bodies, when we pay attention to our breath we remember to do those things, it does also impact our mental health. So just always keeping that in mind of just like, have I done this yet today? Have I checked in with my, with my breath? Have I checked in with my body? And one of the pieces of advice Susie actually gave me is especially a newborn, you can put them down on the ground. You know, you can set them down for a little while if you, you want to go to the bathroom or get yourself a cup of coffee or whatever, you know, don't leave them unattended for hours. But if you need a minute, there's nothing wrong with setting a baby down in a safe place and taking care of a need for 15 minutes. And I, even if they're not happy, because I mean, they have oh only yeah. a couple languages. And so if they're, <laughs> if you need a break, as long as you set them down on the ground, like Lauren said, just take a minute, just set them there. They'll be fine. And then you take care of you and then you go back. <laughs> I remember the first time I set my son down because I needed a break and I just went to make myself a cup of tea. And I came back and he was asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what magic just happened? <laughs> it was so great. <laughs> that is magical. <laughs> that never happened to me. I was like, it never happened to me either. <laughs> Typically when I gave that advice, it was because mine was screaming. And I was like, I can't have you this close to my ears anymore. I need 20 breaths and a break. And I would set sweet Charlie down and I would just be like, ah, mine and really said breathing, connecting and everything's fine. She's frustrated. Like take myself out of my own space and just remind myself she does. She has very little bit limited language and clearly I'm, she's very mad and, I, and I'm trying to solve the problem, but I don't speak that language yet. We'll get there. And we did. We got there. And yeah, Charlie never fell asleep on her own. And she still doesn't. <laughs> I always laugh and moms are like, oh, I'm going to co-sleep and then I'll train my baby. And I'm like, you make sure that is a real goal because I always thought eventually my child would just start rejecting me. Yeah. No, no. She loves to sleep with mom. <laughs> it gets harder when they get older people. It gets harder when they have language and they're more manipulative. <laughs> like... <laughs> They're like, oh, then I can reason with my child. I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> they will. They've got you wrapped around their finger. I feel like yeah. you're talking to me. I think I said that. No, no. I, so actually, there's a few people. There's people at work, too, who are co-sleeping. And they're like, again, I, I co-slept with both my kids. And because, again, it's that survival. I It was more me. I couldn't not have them close to me. And that's the honest truth. I could not have them away from me. I could not sleep. I could not relax. I needed my child touching me near me to be able to feel relaxed enough to sleep. And with Charlie, I just figured, I, again, disregarded all the stuff that was told to me. And I was like, oh, it's fine. No, Charlie still loves to snuggle with mom and wants to sleep with me for a few minutes. And then now she'll sleep on her own. But she pretty much, I'm her, 
her lovey that she takes to bed every night. <laughs> and then Rosalie, I, I learned. So Rosalie still co-slept, but then definitely went through some sleep training. And Rosalie is much more independent in that way, um, which my husband appreciates. So... <laughs> I wrote down all these notes and I just want to go over some of them as we wrap up. I first want to thank all of you for being here and being willing to share Lauren and Jenny. This was a really vulnerable and really brave conversation. And I, I think that there are a lot of women who are listening and hopefully even their partners who are listening, who found this really valuable as we're trying to navigate a really exciting and joyous occasion, but also something that has a lot of concern and fear and growing up and a little bit of loneliness attached to it as well, especially in a time of COVID. So thank you very much for sharing your stories Amber, thank you for coming in. She just got off a night shift. So thank you so much for being wow. here. She cares so much about families and making sure that people are aware of the resources we have and that they understand that everything that they're going through is normal and that going through all of this in COVID is hard. And if you are feeling like, wow, this is really hard and it's harder than I thought it was supposed to be, you're right. It is harder than it's supposed to be. And we're all still trying to navigate what is normal or what the new normal or what we're supposed to be feeling. And so you're doing a great job out there, moms. You're doing a great job. And Amber, thank you so much for bringing all of that expert insight for us. We're so grateful. Thank you for I, having me. I feel like at the end, the things I took away from this is um, moms, when you're out there, you got to check in with yourself. So if you are struggling to do that, if you have your partner listen to this, have them help you come up with an action item list of how to check in on yourself. Maybe it's walking every day. Maybe it's listening to a podcast or a TV program. Maybe it's having a friend check in with you who's outside of the house. I thought that was a really great tip that, you know, inside the house, especially since a lot of our spouses are at home with us, having a friend check in on you regularly to make sure that you're accountable for the things that you've promised to yourself. I think that's a really great tip. And then also check out the resources that are available to you. I know Lauren, Jenny, and Amber all listed a great deal of resources available. Um, and I know that if you go to inlo.org slash baby, we have all of those listed. So there's a lot of the inlo resources that we were shared about, but we also talk about the other additional resources as well because we partner with them. So we're part of Mother Strong. We support La Leche League. Those are all things that we fully support um, and encourage our moms to connect with so that you can take care of the health of yourself and of course your babies. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and tell everyone goodbye. And I hope that this was helpful. I also want to tell baby Gibson and baby Johnny and Emmett, Auntie Susie loves you. <laughs> I do. Um, and also tell my own children, I love you too. I don't want you to get jealous. Charlie and Rosalie, I love you. Thanks again so much, you guys, for being here. And all those moms and dads, take care. We love you too. Thank you all again for listening and getting real with us today. We hope today's conversation was helpful and inspiring. And if you like what you heard, please give us a thumbs up, subscribe, and be sure to share. Leave us a comment too. For more information on today's topic, visit inlo.org slash podcast. And remember, your health matters. 